Welcome to Heritage Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're encouraged and challenged as we study the Word of God together. This special edition podcast comes from our annual Overflow Conference. For more information, please connect with us online at heritagefellowship.us slash overflow. So this is the intentional yes, subtitle resource management. I threw that in a second slide so the youth wouldn't leave. Um, I promise it'll be better than that. Um, It's way better than the title, I hope. And uh, I'll start with a confession of what will be many confessions for the morning. But um, if you are one of two people who got a biscuit with no ham on it, I apologize, sort of. I stole the ham. I, I just, I did. But I feel like it's okay now. I went at the end of the line. So, okay, I feel better. Thanks. Thanks. Confession's good for the soul. I feel better already. So, let's, uh, well, before I do that, I do I have another confession to make. Do you, do you ever teach and you feel like, you know, you're teaching from that, like not at the top, but like near the top? Like you've been there, you've done that, you've got almost the whole outfit, you know, like you really feel like you're teaching from victory and from experience. Like, man, I have, this is great. I have something to share, right? Does anybody ever feel it? That is not me today. <laughs> I just, second confession, you could keep score. Uh, that, uh, this is more like, hey, I, I'm, I'm not drowning yet. Let's learn to swim together. So this is a together moment. Actually, I think um, the Holy Spirit has a sense of humor. I have this session in front of like Dr. Dell and Keith and like, lots of very important people, and it's on live stream, and I'm probably going to have to hear myself say some of these things uh, again in the future. Um, yeah, that's good. You know, 2 Timothy 4.7 says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Um, 2 KC 4.7 says, I'm currently fighting... The as best I can fight, I'm somewhere in the middle, I think, and I'm doing my best to keep the faith. So that's where I'm coming to you from this morning, um, aware of my need to hear this. If this is just for me, and it doesn't apply to any of you, I appreciate you coming, just so I can say all this on the record to be reminded later. So enjoy breakfast and and see what the Lord's going to do in my life, and maybe, just maybe, in yours. So I'm excited about it. So the intentional yes... Intentional means done on purpose, deliberate. So statistically, we could flip a quarter and we would be right half the time, right? Like, yes is heads, no is tails, and we just, we do that. Unfortunately, um, and this is for school credit for you guys, so there's going to be some math and science, so all the kids get school credit for this. But the, the physics, it's called entropy. It's the second law of thermodynamics. I'm quite fond of the laws of thermodynamics. Uh, But it says a system left to itself tends to maximum disorder. Spiritually, we talk about the fall of man and our sin nature. But what it means is, even if you were flipping a quarter, you're going to be wrong more than half the time. Right? Uh, We just, left to our own devices, mess things up. And so that's why it's important to be intentional with our yes, intentional with our resource management, because if we just leave it to ourselves, it's not going to go very well. We're not going to just wake up one day and find ourselves, well, like I am so close to the Lord and my relationship with Him is awesome. I'm doing what He's called me to do. How'd that happen? It's just not going to wake up one day and be that way. And because there is a physical entropy, but I believe there's a spiritual entropy that we have to fight against. And if we do nothing, we're going backwards. So that's, that's the physics. So that's the intentional part of the intentional yes, uh, resource management. What, what uh, oh, oh, that's another one. I want to get ahead of myself. What resources do we have? Anybody, what resources do you have? 
Time? Money? Yes. Energy. Physical energy. Just the ability to get up and go. By last night, some of y'all's got up and go, got up and went. So you, you ran out. There's emotional energy. There's relational. You only have so many plug-ins. There's relational energy. So we have time and, pos- and possessions and our family. And so these are all resources. These are things that we have that we are called to steward and steward well. So here's the thing. We all have limitations to our resources. Our limitations aren't the same, but the fact that they're limited is a commonality amongst all of us. So we all have the same number of hours in the day, but some of us are going to live longer than others, right? But we're all going to die. Some of us need more sleep than others, but we all at one time or other have to rest. So our capacity, emotionally, mentally, physically, all of our capacities are different in quantity, but the quality of them being limited is the same. And just to make this a little broader, this is not just about you. Most of us in this room are involved in things more than just our own life, other relationships, in our own families, our churches, our organizations, our businesses, our work, our schools. So as we're talking about these things, I want you to um, definitely hear the Holy Spirit for where you are just personally in the moment, but also allow Him to expand this out beyond just you a bit. So more physics, I could tell. Y'all are ready for some more physics. The poly exclusion principle. This is a new one for our, our church family. I've not talked about it. It's the same law of thermodynamics. I mean, that's like old hat to you guys, right? So this is what it says. It's the quantum mechanical principle which states that two or more identical pheromones, it's not quite that word, particles with a half integer spin cannot occupy the same quantum state within a quantum sim- system simultaneously. Can I get an amen? Oh, man. That is... Mm. Ben, come on back up. I mean, we are just, I can't tell you the number of times my quantum systems were trying to, what this means is you can't have two things in the same place at the same time, right? That's what that means. Spiritually, it's more like you can't serve two masters, right? You can't be here and at Verizon getting a new iPhone right now at the same time, right? You can try. That's cold. That's, that's, that's cold. That's cold. You can't be here and on your front porch hoping the UPS man comes while you're there to deliver your new iPhone. Now, Ben and I are on the same page. It's, overflow is synonymous with new iPhone delivery day. It's just, it's a thing. But you, you have to choose. You can't be at two places at the same time. And you can't do two things at the same time. And you can't serve two masters at the same time. It's physically and spiritually, emotionally impossible. And I found some really big words so you would believe me, but it's true. I mean, that's what teachers do, right? When they're, they just use bigger words. The bigger the words, the less sure of it I am, right? I'm still learning this myself, so that's it. All right, that's mostly true. We cannot have everything, we cannot do everything, and we cannot be everywhere. Our resources are limited, and this forces us to choose how we're going to spend those limited resources. So, spoiler alert... If you just like, need to like, write one thing in case we ask, like, what did you learn? This could be it. This is the spoiler word. The answer to our problems is not in getting more resources. 
So our resources are limited, and we believe this law that said if I had more of this limited thing, then all my problems would go away. If I had more money, if I had more time, if there were eight days in the week. Can I just tell you, oftentimes more resources brings more problems, not less. And I'll also tell you that, that God loves us enough, and oftentimes resources are limited to we learn how to steward what we have before he gives us more, because God loves us too much to give us what we can't handle. And if I could take like just a slight sidestep into a political area very cautiously, I would say one of the dangerous things about our country is that it's been blessed beyond its ability to handle the blessing, and then it thinks it's done something of itself. The answer to our problem is not in getting more resources. So then what are we to do? Well, there are two very important questions that we have to answer. The first question is, who is God? The second question is, who, is, who am I? Right? Who is God and who am I? Who is God? And I'm speaking relationally, experientially, not just academically. This isn't your ability to um, describe God in 500 words or less using really big words and six references. This is not a school assignment. This is not an essay. This is life. It's an experiential existence with someone. Do we know who God is? Because out of that is how we determine who we are. And as we've talked a lot, what I do has to flow out of who I am, and who I am flows out of who God is. And I only find the, out my identity by understanding God. And it's only out of understanding my identity do I understand what I'm to be about doing. And then once I know what I'm to be about doing, then I can talk about how I'm to be about utilizing the resources to accomplish that. But if we get down here first, it's like Dr. Yoder was saying last night, we're on the outside trying to change the inside, but it doesn't work that way. You have to change the inside, and then the outside changes from there. So we have... So, so let me say this, we have, I'm a huge fan of budgets, right? Anybody know what a budget is, right? It's that thing that you wrote down that time that you try to not use, that, yeah. It's, it's, a budget is, is where you tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. It's related closely to a mission and vision statement. It's that thing that you actually didn't write down that you think you should, right? And a mission and vision statement is where you take your resources and tell them where to go instead of wonder where they went. Okay? But you, you can't write those things. If you just write that statement from over here without an understanding of, of who God is and who you are and what you're called to be doing, then it's just words on a page. But I'll tell you that those things are super helpful, and if you've not done it, you should. So, so math, let's go to math. We have a numerator and a denominator. And I want to just bring out what I would call philosophical math. So you get Bible credit and math credit and science credit. Y'all are doing great. This is, I think mathematically, this is just what the Lord does in my brain. So if you think about the numerator being what I'm actually doing and your denominator being what I'm called to be doing. So you could think in many ways the denominator would be that mission statement or that vision statement. It's, it's, out of who I am, what am I called? Why am I here? Not like, why am I in this room, though certainly that's part of it, but why am I on this planet? That's your denominator. And so your goal in life, a way of viewing your goal in life, 
would be to get as close to one as possible. What does that mean? Well, if the numerator and the denominator are the same, then that's one. Like 2 over 2 is 1, 12 over 12 is 1, 1.894 divided by 1.894 is 1. So your goal in life is to be one. So what what does that mean? It means we have to define our denominator and then we're working toward achieving, approximating our life choices to get us there. But it's our denominator. right? So I could be an amazing Jim Price, but I, I don't win. That's not my goal. My goal is to achieve my denominator, not Jim Price's denominator. Right? And so that's one of the problems with social media. Right? We get to see everybody else's denominator. We say, I should be that. I could do that. I want to be that. And we could be even a better that than they are, and still we lose because that's not who we're called to be. And so if we're not being who we're called to be, then we're not getting where we're called to be going. We only win by running our race. I mean, when this is all said and done, did you guys drive or fly? You flew. So this is all said and done. I could get in a car and drive right behind Keith Yoder to the airport, and I could sneak in his luggage, and I could fly on the same flight as him, and I could end up in Pennsylvania with him, and I could go exactly where Keith Yoder's going, which is great for him because he lives there. But I don't. That's not where I'm called to live. And I'll end up trying to be someone else in the wrong place, living the wrong person's life. We only win by running our race. Do you know who God is? Do you know who you are? Do you know where you're going? Do you know what you're going to do when you get there? So here's a question. Is this the right exit? Maybe. Depends on where you're going. I mean, I don't know. If you're going to the U.S. Senate, that's a great place to be. If you're trying to get to Disney World, no. Right? Or how about this? Am I, am I wearing the right clothes? Well, it depends on what I'm supposed to be doing. So which of these guys and gals are right? Well, it depends. What are they called to be doing? Because if I'm supposed to be up here teaching and I'm wearing a scuba suit, (laughs) or or overalls. (laughs) I deserve that for the iPhone comment, didn't I? Run your race. You don't get credit for running somebody else's. You don't get credit for going where they're called to go. You don't get credit for dressing, for doing the things they're called to do. All right, so, so that's why I think mission and vision statements are so important. Because if you don't know why you're here, then it's hard to make those healthy decisions. And I'm saying, if you don't, like, that's totally fine. What a better place than Overflow 2019 to spend some time with the Lord saying, why am I here? That is not a question that's just sort of some out there theoretic. It, it has direct bearing on your life and the decisions that you make on a day-to-day basis. So if you don't have that mission and vision statement, this is the weekend to get it, but it starts with some very real time with the Lord asking that question, who are you and who am I? 
And remember, why you are here and what you're to be about doing flows out of those two things in a one-way direction. Now, I would like to tell you that, great, once you have this statement, life is good and easy. But we have a great mission and vision statement. We have a tagline. Um, it's, it's wonderful. Like, we know it, and we use it, and we refer to it. But sometimes, life still happens. So what do you do when this resource management, making decisions based on your mission and vision statement isn't working? How do you know that you've got a problem? Better yet, how do you know that you have a problem before you have a problem? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, half of you are awake. I appreciate that. Basically, is there a predictor that you're headed in the wrong direction? Well, it's called, it's called it to me a canary in the mine. Right? They don't do this anymore, so it's like some of you are super happy and some of you are sad for different reasons, and that's fine. But they used to put little canaries in like coal mines, right? And they would sing, and the miners would talk to them, and you know, these are people dealing with explosives under your house, talking to birds, be that as it may. If they got into like some, some dangerous toxic gas or the carbon dioxide level got too high, the, the, what would happen is the canaries would stop singing, and then they would stop breathing, and then they would stop sitting, and then they, you know, and it was this progressive, like, there's danger coming. So before the miners died, the canaries got sick. So it was like a, an early warning system, right? Like the thing you get on your phone that five minutes after you're getting soaked in the rain, it sends you a warning saying it's going to rain five minutes ago, like that early warning system. So there are things that exist, and some of these are things that, like, universal, I think, for all of our lives. If we get to the point that we're... Um, you know, not spending time with our family. You look and go, man, when's the last time we all sat around the table and shared a meal together? That's an early warning system that perhaps your um, resource management, the way you're utilizing your time and your money and your relationships is not quite where it should be. Or you can't find your Bible because you haven't seen it in a while. Right? So there are, uh, there are lots of those things. There's some that are, are unique. For me, if I can't pull my car in the garage, there's a problem. It doesn't have to be spotless. I just need to park in the garage. And I know that sounds silly, but, but I, I run the risk of getting a little cranked because I can't get my car in the garage. And the issue isn't that like, I have to park outside. The issue is my life has gotten to such disarray that I haven't either had or taken the time to move a few things out of the way so I can park in the garage. So that is a symptom of a greater problem. And we have to be careful that we don't try to solve the symptoms and think we're solving the problems. Right? So this is what we're going to do. I want you to take like two minutes and just ask yourself, what are your canaries? What are the things in your life that are symptoms that when they're happening or not happening, it's a little warning light on the dashboard that it's time to make some adjustments? For those of you who are married, a good way of doing that, it's the things that when you come home a little cranky, that your wife said, when was the last time you blank? <laughs> or don't you think you need to? What's the current state of your canaries? And I would encourage you as you're doing that to think about some of those like 
universal, really spiritual canaries. That's great. You can do that. But also to encourage you to be real practical with this. There are certain things that you know, right? This is the third time this week I've driven through PALS. Right? right? You got those written down? I don't know. We may need those later. You might need those later. What is the current state of those canaries? All right, in an ideal world, we have this list, and when, when they start, you know, one or two starts, and then we start going, we, we make changes in our life to redirect our resource management, to redirect our decisions, the way we utilize our own time and our own relationships. We would redirect those back to a healthy place. Right? That's the way, like, when the canary starts to die, you get out of the mine. And then you put on your hazmat suit, you go fix the problem, and then you go back about what you're supposed to be doing, right? You don't just plow through, like, nah. I mean, maybe the first canary, maybe he just doesn't like to sing. Maybe he's the sensitive canary, right? But after a while, when they start dying, there's a problem, right? And so, so let's move on to this. What do you do when the canaries are dead, right? What do you do when this is you? God put me on this earth to accomplish a certain number of things, and right now I'm so far behind, I may never die. Right? Maybe this isn't just for me. Actually, this is great. Welcome to my quiet time with the Lord. Thank you guys for being here. So what do we do with those feelings of frustration or desperation? Or who's been overwhelmed? I mean, do you identify with any of those? All of those? Right? I mean, I know this is, this is you guys, right? This is your homework assignments, you know? We'll let you de- decide who the donkey is. I'm not going there. <laughs> you know? It's homework, right? Who's been overwhelmed? Or, or this, who's been burned out? Do you identify with any of these things? You might not want to say, I'm just going to like preview this a little bit. I know what's coming. Don't like agree too wholeheartedly with this yet. Like internally, if this is you, you should like affirm that. But yeah, that's okay. Everybody else knows it about you. You, you think you're hiding it better than you are. Right? I mean, I don't know about me, but I'm like, hey, why don't you break that off and sharpen that into the pencil, you know? I mean, erasers are for people who make mistakes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need an eraser. And this thing, there's wick in there. So if you cut it here, you actually can burn the candle at four ends, right? Anybody? Right? Again, don't agree. Don't, don't agree. You don't want to, I promise. So what do you do when this is you? And not just like, I mean, we all have those moments, right? But, but what do you do when, when this isn't just a hard day or a hard moment? Or, or it's, it's more than just a temporary thing. What do you do when, when you like start to feel this way a lot? Right? I mean, I would dare say most of us have gone to bed like at night and had a hard time sleeping. And about two in the morning, you're ready to quit something. Right? But what do you do when you, when you wake up like at eight o'clock after your shower and your coffee and you're still ready to quit? Right? What do you do then? These are good questions. I hope I have answers for you by the time we get done. But let me just say this. If I am so burned out, if I am so overwhelmed, that I cannot do the things God has called me to do, if I can't say yes to the things He's calling me to say yes to, then there's a problem. And let's think about this burned out idea for just a second. 
By definition, if you were burned out, then you've been burning yourself as fuel. Because we're called to live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. Truth be told, I run out quite easily, but the Holy Spirit doesn't. And if I find myself having burned out, not able to produce the light I'm called to produce, the question isn't, um, why am I burned out? I think the preceding question is, what am I using as fuel? See, I told you. I easily run out of me, but not the Holy Spirit. God has called me to do more than I can do on my own strength. Let me just say this. When you're working on your mission and your vision statement and you're down here asking why you are here, one of the ways you're going to know you're on the right track is that what you've written down is impossible for you to do in your lifetime by yourself. Because we are called to more than ourselves. And we are called to, you know, we come after a generation and we come before a generation. And, and that's the way it works. And so if, if everything you feel like you're called to do, you can accomplish by yourself without needing anybody else or anything else then your vision is either frankly wrong or definitely too small. And I would just say to you, if that's the case, it's probably because your understanding of who you are is not quite accurate because your understanding of who God is is a bit limited. So I want to be clear, God will call you to do more than you can do on your own and by your own strength. And He'll also call you to places that require you to die to self. But there's a big difference between dying to self, and being burned out. So here's the good news. It's often in those times that when we come to the end of ourselves that we're finally able to properly position our life in Christ, living in and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the good news is when you come to the end of yourself and you realize you can't do it alone and you can't do it of your own strength, that's actually a pretty good place to be because then you can stop trying and reposition your life in Christ in a more healthy and appropriate manner. So, I mentioned that the Holy Spirit has a, a sense of humor. I thought this would be the most difficult part. A few Sundays ago, Jared Boyd called me on the stage as part of a visual. Right? And I got to be pride. And that's about, in case you can't see that, let's just be clear. That's legit. It's on live stream, Right? And he pointed that, like, I mean, how many Christians' worst nightmare is that? Like, you're going to get called up on the stage, and then the pastor is going to, like, make you wear a sign in front of everybody else, and then, like, point at you and say you're burned out because you're full of pride. Right? Like, and I just thought that would be the hardest moment. And then Keith and Dale sat right in front of me, turned their chairs around, and are watching. Man, I can hear them when they take a deep breath, you know? Like, man. Thank you, Lord. This is, this is good. So there you go. I mean, I've already been to Africa, so what else, you know, like, there you go. But, you know, people say, Lord, if I say yes to you, you're going to send me to Africa. So, like, if I say yes to you, you're going to stand me on the stage. I mean, it's, it's fine. I'll tell you, whatever those worst possible things are are not as bad as you think they are. I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. My heart, I mean, like, I'm like 70 beats a minute right now. We're doing good. Um. But I'll tell you what, Jared, I don't know if you know, but this impacted me in a very powerful way. And, um, and I realized it was, it was just a, a word picture, at least to you, but it was really difficult for me. <laughs> Thanks. Not saying yes to God because I can't, because I've mismanaged my resources, is bad. 
And I would go so far as to say a persistent state, a persistent state of being overwhelmed, being characterized by being burned out, that's a sin. That is pride. Jared's right. Because what it says is, I know more about how to manage my life and what God's called me to do, and I know more about what I'm supposed to be doing than He does, and I can handle it on my own. And it's handling it on my own that leads me to being burned out. And so the sin is saying to God, I got it from here. I got my mission, got my vision, see in heaven. Hope I do a good job. I, I got you covered. It's saying to God, I don't trust you as much as I trust me. I think I can do it better than you can do it. That's just wrong. And so, in all love and sincerity and humility, I would just say, like, if we go back to, to that truck and those burned out places, and if that's where you're living life, then you're not living in a healthy, obedient place. If that characterizes your life on a day-in and day-out basis, then I would just suggest to you to spend some time with the Holy Spirit and asking, is there really a pride issue here? Is there a trust issue that's going on here? Is really what I need to solve my resource management not a better mission statement, not more efficiency, but is there something deeper going on here? Because if we get down here and we just try to work on the details, but we miss the heart, we're going to have really shiny details and a really rotten heart. And nobody can fake it that long. It's going to come out. All right, so what do we do about it? Well, you know, the question, how, how did I get here? What am I going to do? So I've just been spending some time with the Lord. This is my own process. This is where He's had me. Um, I'm, again, I want to go back. I, what I said at the beginning is not just like something speakers say to get like buy-in. Oh! he's been no like I am there like I could bring my journals but you couldn't read them not because I wouldn't let you it's because my handwriting's illegible and so it's it's fine um but you can ask my wife she'll tell you it's true so here's here's where I'm at it's just I think it's pretty simple so we're gonna this is what you do so the question is what am I going to do about the pride in my life that that I find myself burned out and overwhelmed on a regular basis. And this is what I am in the process of learning to do and would invite you into that process. Number one, if I'm here, I, I have said yes to something or some things that should have been a no. And I think this is where we all, like when we feel that, the first thing we all do is like, i got to quit something. I've obviously said yes to something that should have been no because there's a resource drain. It's like a... You know, it's like that thing that you just, it kills you when you even think about it. Now, just to be clear, it, it might have been something that was, was right when you said yes. It's just not right anymore. Things change. It might have been a good thing. It might currently still be a good thing. But if it's not a God thing, then it's not the thing you should be about doing. So, I mean, what do you do? If you've said yes to something that should have been a no... I mean, it's pretty simple. You need to stop. With humility and with grace and with honor, fully confident in what God's called you to do, but to continue to do something that you know you're not supposed to be doing is not doing anybody any favors. It's dragging you down and it's dragging them down. 
And, and, and let me just say this. You can, you can only say yes if at some point you've said no. And we may find that we're defined a whole lot more by what we say no to than what we say yes to. So it's okay. Or, I've said no to something or some things that should have been a yes. You're like, wait, wait, I'm overwhelmed. What do you mean I should say yes? Well, it's the yes conference. <laughs> but, but think about it this way. If you have been saying no to something you should have been saying yes to, you need to start saying yes. And you may find that the very resources that you're lacking are found through that yes. There are life-giving things out there. And I would just say you're more capable than you realize. I'm more capable than I realize I am. And when I've said yes to the appropriate things that are life-giving, I begin to see my capabilities come to life. That can be a relationship. There's also some practical things. Exercise, diet, vacation, Sabbath, rest, a hobby, technology, efficiency. There are all sorts of things that we say no to because we don't have time that if we would say yes to, we would find that just on the other side of that little investment is more resources than we ever thought we would have. It's kind of like being too busy to stop for gas. Well, eventually, you're going to stop for gas. Right? It, it works that way in our own lives. And if we don't say yes to stopping for gas along the way, God loves us enough to let us run out of gas. It's like kids, like little, little bitties that throw a fit, and have you ever had one that, that breath holding? They get so mad, they hold their breath until they pass out, right? And then they fall down on the ground, their head is now at heart level, and they breathe. God has designed this, this system in many, many other places in the world where if you overextend long enough, the grace is there that you're just going to pass out and not be able to do anything. It generally works out better if you stop for gas before you run out. If you stop crying before you pass out. I'm just saying it works out better that way. Trust me. God made us body, soul, and spirit. You might not like that fact, but he did it. Right? And so if you're like me and get annoyed that you have a physical body that gets tired and hungry and sick, take it up with your creator. He did it that way on purpose. He did it that way because he loves you. He did it that way to teach us dependence on him. He did it that way for whole lots of reasons. But pretending like we aren't body, soul, and spirit, depending like we don't have physical needs and emotional needs, you can pretend like you're not going to run out of gas, but guess what? You will. Let me just say this. This is important. That's, I made a slide for it. That's, that's how you know it's important. Ignoring your physical and emotional needs to the detriment of the call of God on your life is just as wrong and selfish as indulging your physical and emotional wants. Right? Because we try to get all spiritual about it. And, and, and I'm all for fasting, and there's a lot of, there's, there's, I mean, we're not talking about fasting, so we'll just go for it. It's a good thing. But you have to eat eventually. And I, I'm all for, these are, this is a, it's overflow. You gotta, you're gonna have to, to do some stuff. You're going to have to sleep a little less. You're going to have to get some tasks accomplished. There's a floor delay. There's, there's time for death to self, but it's not all the time. And so we are so... See, the enemy comes and says, well, you're just being selfish. 
And, and he points out the people who in your life that you have judged, which is another reason not to judge, and, and, and you go, oh, well, I don't want to be like them. And then we're exactly like them, trying not to be like them, ignoring the fullness of who God's called us to be. So the, the more we have to do, the more important it is to take care of ourselves. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Because we're body, soul, and spirit. And, 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 and let me just say this. We don't rest because the work is done. We rest because the work is never done. That's, that's tough for me, for some of us. But I'll tell you what, if getting the work done, let's go back here. If, if, who, if I don't know who I am, and I think my identity comes from what I can accomplish, then the more I accomplish, the, the more needed I am. And so I can't say no because my value comes in what I do. So I have to keep doing and doing and doing and doing because I need to be seen as valuable. Because I believe that my value comes from what I do. Because I don't understand who I am. Because I've not understood who God is. And that's why knowing who God is and knowing who I am becomes critical for what comes downstream. So we're burned out trying to, to, to make more of ourselves than we really are because we think by doing that, we'll finally find who we are and we're actually running as fast as we can away from who we really are trying to find ourselves. It would be like Keith getting on a plane to Florida wondering why he's getting further away from home. So, so we have these two things. I've either said, said yes to something should have been a no or I've said no to something that should have been a yes and, and it would seem to stop there. But I, to be perfectly honest, I still found myself in trouble. I go through all these things like I... I I'm doing some better than others, but this is, there's something missing. So what's going on when your yes and no are fairly well? I mean, you're not going to get like 100%, but you're, you're, you're getting there, but you're still feeling that overwhelmed, burned out feeling. Well, I would just say this. Oftentimes, we're doing the right things, but we're doing them the wrong way. Just thinking about last night, culture matters. The way we do things matters. It's not just about accomplishing a task, but it's about the way that we get there and who we take with us and our, our hearts and our health when we get there. So this is what the, the Holy Spirit and or my wife helped me see. What can happen is our perspective or our attitude gets off. And this was tough for me because I feel like I live here a lot. I mean, I mean, on one hand, the other two are relatively easy to do. You just, you can look at your calendar and go, what am I doing? Right? What, and just ask the Lord, what doesn't need to be on there? What does? There are lots of great resources out there about those um, things about efficiencies and about health and about rest. And um, there's a lot of great books out there that can help you through, through those things. But, but what happens when you're still not there? And so this is where I am, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share two things with you. Um, and this, this, these probably aren't for you, they're probably just for me, or, or your neighbor. They could be for somebody else at your table. So maybe take notes of these things for them, 
Not, not you. This is clearly not for you. Okay, but number one, my perspective is off. Busy is not a badge of honor. Busyness might be our American culture, but it's not the culture of the kingdom. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, Jesus comes to bring us abundant life. Abundant life is full, but it's not busy. See, here's the thing. You can be very full and still not busy. And you can be very busy and actually not doing very much of anything at all. So busy is... Well, we all know what busy is. It's that... You're like a combination of that fly that gets in your bedroom at night right when you're trying to go to sleep and a hummingbird, right? And like, there's no peace. You can't rest. You, you can't do anything but try to attack that thing and you're always chasing it around from one room to the other. And you just like, I've got to get this thing. I've got to do it. And like, it, you kick things over. You knock drinks over. You make a mess of stuff. That, that's busy. That's what the busy life looks like. That's not what we're called to be doing. And that's where we get back to that identity thing, right? Because when, 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 my, when what I accomplish is, is, is who I am, then I need to make sure everybody knows who I am. I'm accomplishing a lot, so I've got to be busy. I've got to tell you what I'm doing, and I've got to make sure, like, if all I really did this morning was, you know, come here, oh, man, I had to get up, and then I had to get the covers off, and then I had both feet on the floor, then I had to go get my shoes, I had to make sure the shoes match, I had to get my pants, and I put one leg on, and I had to get my belt, and I had to get my belt, and then you know what? And I had to get my shirt, and I had to think about it. And like, so you're saying you got ready. Oh, no, no. That's not what happened. I need you to understand the 3,000 steps it took to get me here because I'm busy. I mean, getting here, like me being here right now, I mean, whew. I tell you, praise the Lord, it's, it's probably almost didn't happen. I'm so busy. It's a wonder I made it. Because I need you to know how important I am. I'm so important, I have to put on shoes. But we do that, right? Because somebody asks us for help. Right? And quite frankly, we just don't want to help them. But instead of saying no, because we just don't want to, or instead of saying no, because that's not what we're supposed to be doing, we proceed for 30 minutes to tell them all the reasons we can't. Because we need them to know that our busyness is more important than them. Because I'm more important than you. Because what I do is who I am, and what I do is the most important thing, because I'm basically full of myself, and, and I just need to make sure you're aware of that. It's not that I don't value you, it's just I value me more. That's busyness. Again, that's not for you, right? I'm not talking, it's the person next to you. Don't look at them. But do you know what happens when we say that enough and we live that enough, we begin to believe it. And then we're not just, we don't become the guy chasing the fly hummingbird weird mix. We become the fly hummingbird weird mix. And that's our life. Busyness robs us of the moment. And busyness leads to burnout. Busyness is not a badge of honor. It's a sign of disobedience. Man, and I'm, I promise you, I am talking to myself. Because I'm busy. Because I'm busy. But when I get busy, I get real prideful and selfish real quick. And then even if I'm accomplishing what I'm supposed to be accomplishing, 
I don't have that sense of peace that I should have. I have that sense of burnout and being overwhelmed because though I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm not doing it how I'm supposed to be doing it. And the how matters. The heart matters. And there's one more, again, this is just me, but, but I, I thought I'd throw that out there for you. But uh, I'm not a victim of my vision. Right? So wh- what does that mean? Well, I had a great story like, that was made up, but then a real thing happened to me last night. <laughs> Don't you love that? It was a dad moment. So... I love being a dad. I'm called to be a dad, right? So if you go back here, like, God is father, and like, I'm his son, but, but part of, like, I'm called to be, to be like him, and so, so part of being like him is I express that fatherhood thing, right? And, and so, and, and, and that happens in many ways. One of this, like, the real, like, obvious ways is I have two kids, right? But having two kids isn't what makes me a dad, it gives me lots of practice at being a dad. Right? It gives me lots of practice in developing fatherhood. It, it, is, it has uh, allowed me to understand the father heart of God in ways that I didn't before. Right? It's super important in my life. It's not necessary. You can be a father without having kids. Right? There's some of you in this room are fathers and mothers, and you, have, you don't, have never claimed another person on your taxes or whatever other weird thing we decide that qualifies you to be a father or a mother. I would just say being a son or daughter of the king qualifies you to be a father or a mother. Right? It's just super important you know that. Right? And, so, and if you ever just need to borrow my kids to like get a, like a lesson, that's great. You know? so, so last night, so I pray. Right? I, I, I legitimately ask the Lord, like, help me to be the father you've called me to be. Because I have a sin nature and it wants me to be a selfish putz. Right, and, and you can't be a selfish putz and a, and a father at the same time. You just those they don't coexist. It goes back to that, that weird principle at the very beginning we forgot about. Like you can't be those two things at the exact same time. They just can't. Like I can't be here and at your table. Like you just can't be. You can't be a selfish putz and a healthy father at the same time. And so I pray, Lord, help me to help me to be who you've called me to be. And, and so give me opportunities to, to see into my children's heart. And then you pray that real scary prayer, and give me opportunities to see into mine so that you can change me to be more like you, so that I can be the father you've called me to be. Because it's important for them, but it's even more important for me. Right? Those are like really scary prayers. And man, don't we get really upset at the Lord sometimes when he answers our prayers? Like, and you prayed it, right? And, and so last night, well, yesterday afternoon, Kara found this beautiful song. Um, it's, it's a great baptismal song. We'll probably do it, the baptismal um, if you're a member of this, this family, this Heritage Church family, we have a baptismal coming up, so you should sign up for it. We're probably going to play this song. You can hear it then. But it's beautiful. It's a beautiful worship song. It has some like, overflow themes through it, and Kara played it for us while we were eating, and it was great. So last night, Victoria, um, my, my 12-year-old, she's, she just comes to me with a very simple request. Could, could you get this song on my iPad? Right? Because she wants to listen to it as she's going to bed. Right? I, I mean, like you pray for these moments. So what do I do? Right? Walking out my mission and vision and an answered prayer and like the light of the Holy Spirit on this moment, what do I do? Like seriously, tonight? <laughs> like, I, I'm going to have to like get your iPad 
on the internet and to get my phone and like and then man i'm too busy for this i gotta talk tomorrow about not being busy i'm too busy for this and then she now becomes like my mom but don't you hate that when the wisdom that you put in comes back out Mm. so she says to me well dad it's okay i mean if you can't do it she's not Minnie mouse i don't know why i'm (laughs) talking like that you know, she said, I'm high-pitched enough as it is when I get excited, you know. And uh, she said, it, if it's not a good time, just tell me. You know, and I'm like, oh, no. You know, crawling, oh. crawling back out of, yeah, I, was, I should have done that. Uh, crawling back out, baby, I, I, I got you. Man. Thanks, Lord. I needed, like, a real another example of this. But so, right, just in case you wondered, I'm going to finish the story. So, um, I put both versions of the song on there because, because yeah, because I'm going an abundant life, right? I'm going to make her iPad full. But, but I know my daughter, she's going to listen to both to see which one she likes best because she is the most awesome mix. Uh, our children, man, I tell you, young people, hear the Holy Spirit for who you're going to marry because that person will one day be at least half of your children. <laughs> I'm just, like, listen, all the parents know that's true. I'm just, I'm just saying, and I am grateful. I'm grateful because, so I walked in this morning, and I'm going, I'm, I should have played this video, but, but um, listen, I'm, I'm not holding my daughter up as some sort, this is just what happened, okay, so please, I, I could tell you hours and hours and hours of things she's done wrong, and that I've done wrong, and that Kara's done wrong. But this was one thing that happened right. And because I, 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 I obeyed. I didn't, like, it wasn't my natural inclination, but I did. And I go this morning to wake her up to come for overflow, and the light is shining from her door, right? And I open it up, and she's already awake. Her bed's made. She's dressed, and she's sitting in the window seat uh, having Jesus time, listening to that song. All right? So my mission and vision is to be a father, and I had a moment to be a father, and you know what I chose instead of my vision? I chose to be a victim. Well, why me? Why now? I don't want to do I got stuff to do. Right? And we do that. When we have an opportunity to be who God's called us to be, then we whine about it. And I tell you, if you miss that moment, then there may be someone downstream that's not sitting listening to the fruit of your obedience. And it was a precious thing. And then I said, what are you doing? She said, I just, oh, actually, I said, how long have you been up? And I said, she said, I don't know. And I said, what woke you up? And she said, my alarm. Seemed reasonable. And I said, well, what are you doing? And she said, I'm just having some Jesus time before we go have Jesus time all day. Right? And then she said, it's like pre-Jesus time. But, but do you see that, that that moment, I almost missed that moment because I was being selfish, because I was being a victim to my vision. And this is just me. This is, this, is, this is me, and it may be you, but this is what I wrote. I need to stop complaining about the consequences of my yes. Embrace the fullness of yes or say no. No, it's not good. Man, it hurts me way deep, and it kills something in me that needs to die. So it's good. I will. I need to stop complaining about the consequences of my yes. Embrace the fullness of yes or say no. It's what she said to me. Like, Dad, if you can't do it, just say no. 
But that this is what you're called to do, then do it. And if it's not what you're called to do, don't do it. But don't whine and complain and be, woe is me when we have the opportunity to do what we're called to do. Don't be a victim of your vision. Okay, so if you don't know, I'm a pediatrician. I deal with kids all day, like a, a, a pediatrician, like doctor, like you think of pediatrician, right? And it would be like me coming home and going, tell you what, all the, everybody, they complain, complain, complain. Everybody's going, my throat hurts, my head hurts, my belly hurts, I got a rash, right? That's what I'm called to do. How selfish and wrong would it be for me to play the victim to my vision and complain about what I have been called to do actually happening. Now, it's very important that you get your yeses right and your noes right. Because if you're feeling beat down by something you should not be doing, then we go back to items one and two, right? Then we go back to those, and we say yes to what we should say yes, and we say no to what we should say no. But once we're pretty well driving between those lines, then we need to do it with the attitude of Christ. And how we do what we do matters. And those interruptions to our day that the Holy Spirit brings about in an answer to our prayer is not, it's what we're called to be doing. When we have an opportunity to do what we're called to be doing, we should do it with the attitude of Christ. And we're in, we're in really big trouble when what God has called us to do starts interfering with what we're doing. Let me say that again. We're in, we're in trouble when what we're doing keeps getting interrupted by what God's called us to do. So if the, God, if the call of God on my life is killing my flesh, great. It needs to die. But if I am busy and overwhelmed and burned out, then something needs to change. But I will say this. We cannot say yes to God in an effective and ongoing way if we do not first know who God is and who we are. And I want to be real clear. This is not, this is not a call to like overextension. And this is not a call to boredom. This is a call to obedience. And it's obedience in every step, not just the final destination. It's not like, okay, God, you've called me to this place. I'll meet you there. Because how we get there matters. To be able to say yes in the big moment requires us to be intentional with our yes in the smaller moments. To have the resources, the time, and the money, and the energy available for the big moments, we have to have managed those resources in the smaller moments. But let's be honest. There's not really big moments and small moments. What we have is this moment. We have the present moment. And, and I know when we start having these kind of discussions for me, like my brain goes to two places really quick. First of all, the past. And all the yeses that should have been no's and all the no's that should have been yeses 
and the whole lot of attitudes and the whole lot of answered prayers I was frustrated about. I, I go to the and I go to the past, and then once I'm done the past, I just go right to the future, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and this will be different, and I'm called to this, and and, and we go. But where we're called to be right now is right now. It was so fitting. Dr. Dale came up to me this morning and said, you know what day it is? And I'm thinking, uh-oh, he doesn't know what day it is. That's my first thought. So. <laughs> my second thought was, iPhone launch day, but I can't say that to the apostle. <laughs> like that's, huh. You know? And then he said, it's today. It's today. That's what day it is. And what moment it is is right now. And in this present moment right now, we can affect the past through repentance and we affect the future through obedience. But that repentance and that obedience is the here and now. We deal with our past, those mistakes and those things that are there, we repent for them. And then we change the direction of where we're going in the future through obedience, but those are both present actions for this morning, for this weekend. And I will um, leave us with some time to reflect with this scripture from Ephesians. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because these days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And that's what we say yes to, the will of the Lord. Not mine, but yours. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Please join us online at heritagefellowship.us or in person in Jefferson City, Tennessee, as we encounter God, touch lives, and impact nations.